and welcome to the Let's Talk Transformation podcasts. In this episode, we will be discussing personal transformation and transforming your inner leadership team. I am delighted to welcome Wendy Kendall, business psychologist, global talent strategy expert, executive coach and co-author of the book, Amazing Conversations, Enabling Extraordinary Work-Based Communication that Transforms Performance. Wendy, welcome to the show. Hi, Susie. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. It's lovely to have you on the show. Wendy, you've been an organizational psychologist for over 20 years, and you help and advise corporations and execs to think differently about global talent development, but also to prepare leaders for the new world. I feel like saying today's world, um, (laughs) which looks very different as we move into this different paradigm in systems, but also in leadership that calls for different skills and perspectives. We met on this topic of creating a different, more conscious type of leadership and also more regenerative practices and systems. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that. But, uh, but you're passionate about people and what makes them tick, a passion that we share, of course, but also about strengthening the psychological health of leaders across the board so that they know how to spot the signs of burnout and create a different leadership space, but through deeper inner work. And I mean, for me, never has the coupling of global talent and mental health been as important as it is now post-pandemic. And I'm also convinced that leadership is an inside job. And it's about what I call your inner game of work, which for me is one that often gets neglected or has been taken over by other parts of you, which means that you take it for granted and never really look at it as a standalone piece. But I love the idea of what you call your inner leadership team. Can you walk us through what this team is? Yeah. So the idea of um, or the the concept or the experience of having (laughs) an inner leadership team Mm. is something that within psychology is challenging some of the orthodoxy where we might think about, you know, what are we looking for when it comes to personal development, leadership Mm. development? In that, it's essentially a model that says we're not, our normal healthy state is not to be a unified mind, that our normal healthy state is actually to experience different parts of ourselves. Mm. And this gets called a multiplicity part, a, a multiplicity model of mind. So if you think about our usual experience of going about our day, Mm. we have a conversation with ourselves very often. Some people don't have that inner voice. And we've heard, you know, we've seen articles about that recently, about a lot of people being surprised that others don't have that inner voice. But even the people who don't have an inner voice may themselves be very much in tune with what's going on in their body Mm. or some other inner awareness. So our capacity for looking inside of ourselves is one of the things that separates us out, our self-awareness. And when we develop our self-awareness or when we really kind of apply that internally, what we realize is we don't experience ourselves as a unified single entity. There's always a lot going on. There's different voices. There's inner critics. There's imposters. Mm. There's the voice of optimism. Mm. There's our inner managers. All of these are parts of ourselves, and um, they're sometimes called subpersonalities. But it's normal and natural for us to be 
made up of many different parts. And I think that if you don't sort of think about it consciously, then that's just who you are. I mean, I must admit, before I started looking at this work, I didn't think of, clearly, I had an inner voice, but I didn't think of that as a part. I just thought, oh, shush, (laughs) just let me get on with my stuff. Yeah, that's me. That's just the way it is today. So it's interesting to look at self as a multiplicity of parts, if you like. So my question would be, what does that mean for self-leadership and self-awareness? Yeah, so the model in particular that I found really transformative with respect to this development of our self-awareness is a model called internal family systems, Mm. internal family systems model. I'm a big fan. Yes, (laughs) we've had some in-depth conversations already. (laughs) And interestingly, within that model, the thing that is kind of unique about that model is this concept of self with a capital S. Mm. And that essentially is saying all of us have a capacity within ourselves for experiencing this thing called self with a capital S and the qualities of self are courage, curiosity, connection, calm, confidence, creativity, compassion and clarity and they're known as the eight c's of self so when it comes to self-leadership really we're saying can we embody those qualities of self and at the same time have a relationship with those inner parts of ourselves that have all of the opinions ideas and so on. So if you the metaphor I use is being the CEO of yourself <laughs> yeah. at the top of the table, but with you know all of those parts of you around mm-hmm. the table, all there to be willing team members, all with their own strengths and weaknesses. And to be in self-leadership is to be occupying that kind of open ground and able to flex across those different and bring in those different team members, those different mm. inner team members. It's almost like an inner board of directors. Then. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You've got to listen to them, yes. don't you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So in our culture, mm. especially popular culture, mm. there's a lot about shouting down and arguing with your inner critic, for example. Oh, yes, I'm sure everybody can recognise that. <laughs> there's a lot about shaming and sending to the outer reaches of your psyche mm. the impo- the parts of us that hold impos- feelings about being mm. an imposter. Mm. And the whole deal with IFS is rather than shaming those parts of yourself and sending them into the outer reaches of your mind, mm. where usually they just start to shout more loudly, yeah. actually, as a leader, we welcome mm. them in, we listen to them, we understand their stories. If we need to, we can help them unburden from some of the things that have been getting them down. Mm. So it's like we do the good leadership things with ourselves that we would want to do with our team members. Like yeah. Those are all the things of embodying what it means to be a good, in inverted mm. commas, leader. Yeah, it's about compassion, though, isn't it, from what I'm hearing? So can I say that self-leadership is equal to self-compassion then, or or is it different? 
Yeah, I think it, it includes compassion for sure, <laughs> very much. I think the if there's two qualities to apply the next time the inner critic is shouting at you, yeah. it would be compassion and it mm. would also be curiosity. Those two usually go hand in hand. Right. Typically, if we can get compassion and then curiosity and mm. just, you know, reflect on what's going on for me here, what's what's what do I need at the moment? Why is this part of me in pain mm. at the moment? What's mm. going on there? Why is this part of me stressed at the moment? Can I is there a way I can help myself here? Usually then it leads to calmness. Right. And often then what that allows us to do is to be more connected with someone else or with ourselves mm. and then develop our confidence, our courage mm. and so on. Mm. But because yeah, compassion and curiosity. Yeah, because there often isn't that space within oneself to start with. But if I look at organisations and the leadership sort of culture in organisations today, it's it's about the all-knowing, non-vulnerable leader, isn't it? So. So, yeah. you know, how do you create that space for yourself in a system and an environment that is encouraging you not to? Yeah, but, yeah. I think, first of all, it's recognising that there's likely to be parts of you, at least one part, if not many parts of you, that are really effective managers and protective parts that are able to maintain that facade that exterior (laughs) that style when you're in work and it's likely that they are not the only parts of you so you know bringing that self-awareness in and and I mean self-awareness we've known for many years self-awareness is the cornerstone of emotional intelligence yeah you think about Goldman's Mm. model of emotional intelligence Mm. starts with self-awareness and self-management and what we're talking about here is a more fine-grained mm. version of that. Mm. So knowing that there are parts of you that are highly competent, well-defended, know how to keep you safe if you're in a tough management meeting with the CEO or whatever, mm. Mm. Um, or if you're the CEO and you're having a tough <laughs> management meeting, but those are not the only parts of you. So can you get can you get curious about, what are the stories of those parts of you Mm. and what are the stories of the other parts Mm. that might be behind that? So the parts that sometimes feel vulnerable, the parts that ask questions about whether this is the right way to go, Mm. the parts that might be indicating, you know, gut feeling, gut feelings coming Mm. from a part of you as well. So essentially, again, another metaphor, it's like being the conductor of an orchestra. Yeah. And orchestra, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, we've all got this kind of symphony of different ideas, sensations, emotions, and so on going on inside of ourselves. So, how do we get more finely tuned into Mm. what each of those parts are saying? So, I'm hearing that there's there's a symphony of voices or parts or things going on inside us. So, how do we understand exactly where we need to transform? because and and what do parts do you know yeah what's their role in that leadership team yeah so the experience of parts is usually that we become blended with them Mm -hmm. so 
a very clear example of that is when something really triggers us and it Mm. sets us off. Mm. That's usually where a part of us has taken over, Mm. essentially. It's driving the the meeting now, right? It's in charge. Bringing your awareness to when that happens. I mean, that's a very basic coaching question, right? So if anybody has ever been in a coaching session, becoming aware of when you you know, your major styles Mm. is one way of looking for these parts of ourselves. So being blended with a part is one experience. The triggers that set you off, we call trailheads because they usually are a path that leads you to a deeper knowing of yourself. So any triggers that you have are candidates for transformation. Oh, I like that. Triggers are candidates for transformation. Okay. Yeah, because they they typically lead somewhere. There's something underneath. And very mm. often, so another thing that happens, which might be a common experience for people, is this idea of polarizations. Yeah. So if you've ever had that experience of, well, a part of me wants to do it, but a part of me would hate it. Which I'm sure everybody has <laughs> sometime in their life. That's a very common experience of Mm. what's called a polarization. You know, we have different ideas, different parts of us that pull against one another. And then it makes it really hard to either make a decision or to take action. So that's when Mm. procrastination sets in. So that's another invitation for curiosity. All of those things would be areas that would be ripe for self-leadership, meaning can you bring those qualities of compassion and curiosity in and just start to ask yourself what's really going on? What mm-hmm. am I afraid would happen? What's the mm-hmm. story here? When did this start? I think that's particularly interesting for procrastination because I think, you know, it's not because you're not driven or you're not a doer or you're not a perfectionist that you don't procrastinate. And procrastination is something I come across quite a lot. Um, in coaching sessions but also with myself and I think that's really interesting if you could take the example of procrastination and say how that works and how do you get curious about procrastination yeah yeah so asking yourself first of all when when you're stuck in that procrastination one of the suggestions I would have would be to see if there is a place or space that you can go where you find it more easy to tap into those experiences of self. So is there, is there a walk that you do that feels particularly calming? Mm. Is there a piece of music that tends to bring up your, your calmness as well? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything that you can do to kind of start to bring in some of those qualities is helpful. Sometimes just deep breathing Mm -hmm. is also bringing that in as well. Second thing is, is to pay attention to what's going on inside and feel towards and focus on whatever's drawing your attention. Mm -hmm. And very often when you do that and you get curious and you say, well, what's going on for me here? What am I afraid is going to happen if I move forward? you might then have the other part chip in and say, okay. try and explain something. Mm. It, well, it's this, but if I do that, and it be, quite quickly becomes an internal dialogue, a conversation, mm. a bit of a conflict. The key thing, you know, how would you approach that as a confident leader? 
if you had two team members in front of you that were stuck and they were tussling over something, would yeah. you choose one over the other and shun the other to the far edges of the organization, far edges <laughs> of the yeah. of the office building? Yeah. Or would you invite them both in and say, right, I want to listen to what you think about this and I want to listen to what you think about this. Mm. And then what I want to do is try and find out the motivation both of you share. What are mm. you both trying to do here? It's usually mm. a combination of keep you safe yeah. and keep life under control, prevent you from being overwhelmed. And having listened to those different parts of yourself, often what you can ask is, how would it be if we just softened this a little bit so that we can find a way forward? And then it becomes a negotiation. None of these internal skills are something that we've never done in our lives before with other people. Just something we don't apply to ourselves. But we so often don't apply them to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we just have a tendency to make ourselves busier so we don't have to have those conversations. Yeah. (laughs) So what that would be is often a part of us that uses busyness to avoid having those conversations. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So you need to be aware of that. So that's a trailhead. That's an invitation for curiosity. Okay. Excellent. So if I, if I go back to that, I can already see the process unfolding. You know, this process can be very powerful, can't it? In, yeah. in a coaching session, Yeah. but also in general. How does one go about coaching one's own in a leadership team? You know, what's your experience here? Is it something you can do on your own? Yeah, I think... For sure, if there are situations where we're becoming overwhelmed by parts, working with somebody who can who can help us get that access to them um, and who can hold space and hold a lot of self-energy for us just helps things to soften up and to and to and for us to get more space from them. Mm. However, in daily life, you know we don't have space. <laughs> we don't we often don't have space, exactly. Yeah. So, but on that note, that's a key thing. So how often do we give ourselves space to listen to our internal dialogues? So one of my supervisors, for example, had this really beautiful exercise that he recommended, Mm -hmm. which is every morning waking up just in that quiet time as we're waking up, listening into yourself and thinking, okay, where am I right now? Am I, am I feeling like I'm in the present? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I living in the past or am I living in the future? It's very often, even before our eyes are awake, we're, we've already got parts of ourselves planning what needs to happen that day. Right? The day yeah. <laughs> or even they've been working on it overnight. I mean, yeah. how many times have we come up with ideas that we need to put in that presentation? Yes, because parts of our mind are literally working on it overnight. So finding space and making space to tune into what's going on for ourselves, even just asking, is what's happening now in me coming from the past, the present or the future? Mm -hmm. And then the next question is, is this about real stuff or is it about imagined stuff? And even from just those two questions, there's a lot of dialogue that can happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And over time, you start to recognize patterns. And, and would you suggest that people journal that or is that a completely sort of uh, personal preference? That's personal preference. Mm. Some people like to journal that. 
For some people, just actually creating that space, you know, that builds capacity. You know, the the old neuroscience saying, um, <laughs> neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more that you practice I don't know that, that but brilliant. no, no. <laughs> so yeah, the you know, the more that's literally how our how our mm. brains change, how we learn emotionally as well. So the the repetition of that kind of exercise, mm. like a meditation, um, mm. um, ex, uh, like a meditation habit, would build that capacity over time as well. This kind of self-reflection and self-inquiry is different from meditation, though. The qualities of self, the calmness, the self-compassion, the curiosity are present in mindfulness and in meditation. But what's different with this kind of approach is the internal dialogue. So usually in meditation, it's like, well, let, let those things just pass. Let those thoughts just, you know, pass as though they're clouds on a sky. Mm. And here, actually, what we're saying is, no, don't let them pass. Ask them some questions. Invite them in. Invite them into the space. Invite them in. (laughs) Get curious about them. Yeah. We have a huge amount of internal wisdom that gets covered up by the events of life. Journaling is one thing. Sometimes just that kind of mindfulness, that mindful self-inquiry. Another one, some people really like doing art or doodles, you know, Mm. some kind of creative output, whatever floats your boat, really. Mm. But basically, I'm hearing it's about creating a practice that works for you um, around having different conversations with yourself. And now I have to say with all the different parts of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I once started, I did um, a talk on, on this to entrepreneurs in a, an entrepreneur accelerator. And I started with the, um, with the phrase, what if I told you that the voices in your head are real and you should talk to them? <laughs> and did they stay in the room? Or- <laughs> I think there were some raised eyebrows. Where is this going now? <laughs> like we, we knew this about you psychologist people. We yeah. knew- <laughs> but it's the reaction to a scary question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh gosh. Using this approach in coaching, very often very successful leaders have got highly effective manager parts of themselves or leader parts of themselves that are that have been absolutely dominant mm. and have really got them a lot of success and have been they're highly functional very effective, lovely, wonderful parts of themselves. Their internal success system type of thing. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and you're right. It may may not just be one part. It may Mm. be a cluster of them. So there's a highly effective inner (laughs) (laughs) sub-team. And, you know, people like me and you get brought in when things have to change. You know, we need to go in a new direction. We need to imagine things in a different way. We Mm. need a new paradigm of leadership. and the experience of those inner parts of ourselves is well if we're not in control first of all it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket yeah. <laughs> who's going to be in control then and the other thing when I've worked with leaders and I've you know been negotiating kind of with those parts <laughs> is it possible to to let go of some of that power to let go of some of that control what other parts of the person are available what other capacities and styles mm. do they have available to them and words that come out of their mouth 
are things like, well, if I don't do it that way, I'll cease to exist. Like I won't be me anymore. Yeah. I was just going to say, we always talk about the masks we wear, particularly at work. I mean, is it about sort of not double identities, but two different sense of identities? It's multiple senses of identity. (laughs) (laughs) But knowing that that is a more whole and a Mm. more authentic Mm. representation of all of the no, the universe of of parts available to you, mm. the universe of of potential that you have for responding to an uncertain future. It doesn't have to be just one way. You mm. have many different capabilities, many different ways of expressing yourself, and that mm. all comes from this multiplicity of personality. So, so, how do you deal with the "I wouldn't be me anymore"? I mean, that's that's quite a close yeah. statement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody was to say to you, well, if I don't do it that way, I'm going to cease to exist. Mm. I would get really curious about what they're scared of. I would bet curiosity. Yeah. 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 And I'd be mm. really compassionate about the fact that they would they're actually scared about ceasing to exist. Mm. That's a scary proposition. It's no yeah. wonder people become heavily defended. Yeah. And that's why the other parts of self start defending us even more so that we don't go there exactly (laughs) exactly and like any good leader if you have a team like that in front of you and you get curious with them and you get compassionate about it and you stay calm in the face of those provocations Mm. what happens with the quieter team members then they start to get confident they start Mm -hmm. to trust you more so you build more inner confidence, more of a sense of trust, more of a sense of authenticity, Mm. and more of an inner knowing that no matter what happens, you'll stay safe inside. And that really, so if we think about topics like psychological safety in organizations, Mm. psychological safety is about a felt sense of safety in the workplace. Mm. Well, if you're coming in with a felt sense of safety, and if you nurture your own Mm. self-felt sense of safety, you're much more likely to be able to offer that then to your your outer team members, not just your inner team members. Because I was just going to say, you know, if I look at the human systems in an organization, which, as you know, is my favorite topic, um, how does it translate? And I was just thinking the the idea of multiple voices and the deep democracy of being for all voices being able to yeah. be heard and have their say in a system because it's the group wisdom often comes from the silent voices right and you're right when you get curious about them that's when you get these multiple perspectives and yeah exactly. I haven't thought about <laughs> turning it inside out if you like but that's very powerful isn't it because you could almost yeah. pilot it on yourself <laughs> really understand how it feels and then walk back into a team, large or small, and look at how you can take that safety with you. Exactly. And there's a couple of things that happen there as well. One is that when you work on that capacity in yourself, Mm. um, because of the way our brains work, again, this is the work of Goldman. So I don't know Mm. if you've ever come across this, but he talks about something called an open limbic loop. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Which always to me sounds like something that should be on strictly come dancing. <laughs> dancing. But, <laughs> but can you can you dance us through it? We're dancing the open limit <laughs> loop. But <laughs> can you dance us through it then, Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> so this is about how our brains in a, as a social animal create mm. resonance with one another. 
that's the basis of emotional intelligence in yeah. groups. Yeah. Um, it's the basis of something called heedful interrelating. So mm-hmm. heedful interrelating is how do we all get a shared sense of understanding of what we're facing? And even though we're not necessarily communicating one-on-one, we all work towards a shared understanding mm. of the desired outcomes. Mm. So the more that we work on that for ourselves, the more we have that capacity available for others. What does that look like? It means that when the proverbial hits the fan, you're more likely to be able to stay calm, stay centered, feel confident, have courage, and that transmits to people around you, meaning they're more likely to be able to do that. If they're losing their minds, Mm. Then, you know, if mm. they're becoming heavily blended by yeah. fear and, you know, over, overwhelmed by a sense of fear and struggling with something that's come up and you can be more self-orientated, calm, clear, compassionate, that will transmit to yeah. the team as well. Yeah, and you you stood in a different leadership stance, aren't you? You stood in a more creative, sort of inner purpose-related leadership stance. Exactly, exactly. Which means that you can take them with you. Yes, exactly. What's been the most transformational thing about understanding self-leadership and the inner leadership teamwork for you as you've been through this process? I think two things. Initially, the understanding that our parts have burdens because of past experiences, but our parts are not the burdens themselves. So if somebody has had a burnout already, Mm. I mean, just from a trauma and, and, and kind of neuroscience point of view, we know that, you know, traumatic experiences and those kind of you know, challenges set people up. It changes the way that we think, right? Changes our brains. Mm. So understanding that we might have parts of ourselves that have had those experiences, but through that self-leadership, we can actually help those parts of ourselves to put those burdens down, to allow those burdens to recede into Mm. the past without losing access to the virtues and the capabilities and the strengths that those parts of us have. Mm. So if Mm. you have a really competent part of yourself that kind of manages everything and that part of you was implicated in becoming overwhelmed and burned out, Mm. it can be tempting to think that you need to get rid of that part of you. You need to stop doing that. But actually what we need to do is put down some of the burden of that and and then the part returns to its naturally valuable state. You still have that capacity for management Mm. even after it's been burnt out. The second part of it is then understanding that through that self-leadership, we also expand our capacity for other things like joy, connection, Mm. playfulness creativity and that kind of works in terms of experiencing flow for example Mm. so flow is a state of heightened creativity yeah but it also is a state that is tapping into some of what's called implicit memory and implicit learning yeah 
if you've been highly traumatized or if you've if you've had um you know things that have gone in in your background that that mean you don't want to go there yeah. they're they're often um experiences that get coded in an, our implicit memory yeah and so by you know helping those parts of ourselves to put those burdens down it means that we can access that those areas of implicit memory those um, those implicit creativity mm. um that those gut feelings all of those things that are underneath our thinking mind are more deeply rooted in who we are yeah. and we can bring those forward in that state of flow and do so you it helps think, us access that better yeah and do you think accessing it better as an individual means a little bit like psychological safety means that you can create states of collective flow in teams and and organizations essentially but let's keep it at the team level you know create that collective flow which keeps them at a peak performance peak creativity yeah not forever but you can create that can't you yeah yeah because it's it's almost like a, a cascade that happens mm. in our nervous system so mm. once we have more space for those qualities of self those eight c's mm. It doesn't, it almost doesn't matter where you start. If you start with curiosity, if you start with connection, if you start with calm, start with one of them and the rest follow on. Mm. And within that state, you encourage other people then, or you create a space or you hold a space where other people can start to feel that too and start to resonate with it. Mm. And that's your space for heedful interrelating, your felt sense of safety being able to resonate with one another, bringing in shared creativity. Mm. It's a whole different way of being. It is. It's a different way of being and it's a different way of interacting, isn't it, with, with your team, if I take it back into collective. And for me, that's inclusion. So this is how we create inclusion, is bringing in this understanding for a start yeah. Yeah. of how we react, what our triggers are, and then what it feels like the empathy of what it would feel like for others who may be different from us yeah. uh, to step into that environment. The most important thing for me being that they feel safe enough to yeah. express that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think yeah. the idea of collective flow is very powerful in an inclusive environment because you can, you can get quite quickly in inverted commas in terms of how quickly things need to be delivered in organizations. You can get into a state of creativity and innovation, can't you? Yeah, exactly. So first of all, it's almost like the writing above the door when it comes to this way of thinking, this mm. internal family systems model. The motto is all parts are welcome. Super, <laughs> Which couldn't be more <laughs> exactly, couldn't be more inclusive, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like it though as a tagline. I like the all parts are welcome. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, you can apply it to yourself and to a and and to a, a team or an organization or a community or Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah. And what would your recommendation be for leaders looking to get started with this, and I feel like saying somewhat overwhelming world mm. of parts? I mean, I must admit, I think, you know, when you first step into that, it's quite overwhelming. I think it then becomes very powerful very quickly. But what would your recommendation be for somebody who wants to get started? Yeah, I think what we were talking about earlier, which is this idea of finding a practice that works for you is a very powerful one. Mm. And the things I would include in that practice, and in fact, when I'm working with people and coaching them in this way, we talk about this for between sessions as well. Mm. Finding spaces and places where you connect 
connect with those experiences of self is a really good place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how many times have I worked with people who don't even feel as though they can let go of the job enough to have a half an hour walk at lunchtime? Yeah. So it's really hard to get unblended to be able to listen to your own inner wisdom more when you're just completely overwhelmed by an environment. Hmm. So just being able to do that, for a start, it's going to help your cortisol levels to come down. (laughs) (laughs) Just do yourself a favor (laughs) and see if you can find half an hour relief from, you know, high stress and cortisol once a day. It's a British cup of tea, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. I find that. I don't know yeah. about you, but, you know, for me anyway, the culture I grew up in, having a warm brew of something yeah. in your hands can oh, actually yeah. Yeah. bring in that sense of safety and calmness. Mm. Next is start to listen in, get curious, and realize that some of these dialogues are coming from different parts of yourself. Then what I encourage people to do is to start to map that out. So I've got various pieces of paper in journals around the place (laughs) where I've done a little bit of mapping, you know, this part, especially about something like a decision that, well, this part of me thinks this, this part Mm. of me thinks that, or if you're going to go and do, um, you know, a big presentation or something, Mm. what do different parts of me think about this? Well, this part is worried that such and such body is going to do whatever they usually do. Mm. This part of me really wants to be able to do a good job because, and you can start to get a sense of the main characters that pop up time and time again in that inner leadership team. Um, The next thing to do when you kind of building your awareness, building the dialogue and the curiosity with them, opening up that space when you maybe go outside, you have a run, you maybe swim, whatever it is that helps you get into that experience of self is to, this might sound a bit wild, but just (laughs) give it a go. (laughs) It's to invite some of those parts to experience that calmness with you. And that's literally just a little self invitation. Mm. So you, you know, you may be in the pool, you may be experiencing all that lovely kind of sense of flow and calmness. And you might just say, you know, all those parts of you that are worried about this presentation, why not just come and experience some of this calmness Mm. with me now? What that's doing at a neuroscience level is creating joins across the different circuits. So the circuits in your brain that hold a lot of stress Mm. or that hold anxieties and questions and, you know, um, issues around whatever's going to happen and the parts of your brain that are experiencing the calmness and it starts to create joins across the Mm. circuits. And that creates an opportunity in the brain for transformational change. Right. Wow. Okay. So that's kind of your Jedi level (laughs) (laughs) self coaching opportunity. (laughs) Give that a go. From Yoda herself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, from my inner Yoda to yours. Oh, brilliant. I like that. From my inner Yoda to yours. Excellent. And when you talk about regenerative practices, is that what you mean when you talk? Yes. 
Yes, yes. In the sense that this self-energy, these qualities of self Mm. are inexhaustible and indestructible and they're available to all of us. So that's a principle of IFS, Mm. that self-energy, everyone has access to self. Mm. It can't be destroyed. What we're doing is we're practicing opening space for it. That means it is a regenerative property available for our system. And our systems have been overburdened, overworked, depleted, and all the rest of it. So it's fundamentally regenerative. When I work with psychologists in private practice, Mm. um, some of the other work that I do, so many have been running on empty for so long. And we see this in organizations as well. It's not just it's all over the place. So creating and holding space to tap into that mm-hmm. source of energy where mm-hmm. you know wherever it's coming from within those eight c's yeah. um that is inherently regenerative once you have more space you can develop more awareness you have more opportunity to bring more of yourself into the mix yeah and therefore more creativity, different ideas, and hopefully, you know, connecting with one another and being able to shift the paradigm, mm. which is what we need to do in order to have more regenerative practices. Clearly. And it creates more abundant models for us, doesn't it? You know, sort yeah. of abundance in joy or compassion or, or whatever yeah. we're putting in there. Yes. And I, what I really like about IFS, but the model and the way you use it is I feel that it normalizes conversations for us, like it's okay not to be okay you know speaking to yeah. different parts yeah um it's it normalizes that conversation and gives the permission to ask those questions which of course as you said you can then translate into a team environment yes you know, if you're safe to, to with that discussion within yourself of it's okay not to be okay but why am I not okay that curious question of what's going on what, what's yeah. triggering it I think that's really 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 valuable moving forward particularly in hybrid working environments and in today's interconnected environment where I think regenerative models are the way forward whether it's economics self-development mm. leadership you know it's a big slice for me of something that still needs to be defined yeah um and yeah I, I, I love the idea of that regenerative part of talking to yourself essentially <laughs> I was literally just reading the book regenerative cultures by Daniel Christian Christian Wall uh, this morning just mm. come through the door and I'm really in the introduction he says in the intro- either in the introduction or the first page of chapter one um, building regenerative cultures is about getting comfortable with living with the questions yeah. and th- this is fundamentally about not just getting comfortable but embracing the fact yeah it's good that yeah. it is life-giving mm. to live with the questions yeah yeah to not fall apart if we don't have seeming answers mm. yet yeah because the answers may change anyway depending on you know mm. what changes out there in the environment it's the unformatting isn't it of, of certainty and the yeah famous yoda saying of unlearn you must you know the whole- <laughs> <laughs> to come back to our yodas no, but- i didn't know we were going to talk so much about yoda today susie uh, uh, yeah, i almost put my star wars mask on but i didn't <laughs> <laughs> no but I think the whole concept of uh living in the questions and letting the answers happen yeah which is quite a lot of letting go of control isn't it really 
Yeah. The other thing is, you know, if we really think about what it means when we say all parts are welcome, (laughs) that means even the things that are scary, even the things that may be unpleasant, like the stuff that we usually like to exile to the outer reaches of wherever, you know, that statement, all parts are welcome, gives, you know, deep respect to the wisdom of pain the wisdom of loss. So we, you know, we're not talking about all parts are welcome so long as you're happy stuff. Yeah. We're really yeah. talking about valuing all mm. voices, mm. even the ones that traditionally we didn't want to hear from, yeah. wherever that comes from. Mm. Because mm. we we recognize there is a deeper wisdom in those experiences. Yeah. And I think that goes for the whole translation into collective intelligence and groups as well, doesn't it? Right. You know, we have to yes. break the stereotype of what we think we're meant to say. Yes. And, and understand what's actually being felt in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, time is running. Um, what, what, what would your final call to action be, if you have one, for leaders looking to get in touch with their inner leadership team? Well, apart from those yeah. um, steps we talked about yeah. earlier, you know, I would suggest having a listen to one of two audiobooks. There's a couple of audiobooks that Dr. Richard, Richard Schwartz, who is the originator of IFS, um, that he's created. One is called Greater Than the Sum of Our Parts, and he narrates that one. Right. And that's got a series of meditations. So if you want to really try out some of these kind of inner inquiries, it's it's really good for that. Mm. The other one is a more recent one, uh, which is called No Bad Parts. That is also about how we can use this model and apply it in what has become a very polarized culture at the moment. Yeah. So Dick Schwartz wrote that through the pandemic. And through, you know, he's an American, so seeing the end of 2019 into 2020, Mm. uh, sorry, the end of 2020 and into 2021 and all the lead up to the presidential in um, during 2020. And so he's he's really started um, or he wrote that book as an application of this kind of work to how we might create, you know, an outbreak of peace in the world. Mm. (laughs) Fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your thoughts, experience, insights. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? My website is at globallytalented.com. Okay. Other than that, I'm on LinkedIn at Wendy Kendall. So if you want to connect on there, you're more than welcome. Okay, super. Thanks, Wendy. And remember, all parts are welcome. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for welcoming me and all of my parts too. It's been an absolute (laughs) pleasure. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please head over to iTunes and leave your review and feedback. It's bye from me for now and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk Transformation.